Okay, cool. Well, how's it going? <laughs> going good. Thanks for having me. Um, I know it was hard to, to coordinate times between time difference in France and, <laughs> and everything else going on, but I'm glad we finally made it. Uh, so yeah, here we are. Yes, awesome. Okay, well, if you want to start by just introducing yourself, I guess. Yeah, um, my name is Louis Shakes. I'm 23. I'm from France. Um, I have been playing hockey for 20 years now. Um, <clears throat> I left France for the first time when I was 14. I moved to Canada, played a couple of years of high school hockey there. Then I played uh, junior hockey in Toronto, El Paso, Texas, Boston. I got recruited to play college hockey in Boston. Did that for two years, and then I uh, just decided to transfer to Missouri State for better opportunities. And here I am, senior year of, uh, of hockey. So it's pretty much about it for me. <laughs> so I remember you posted about um, that hockey is not really a thing in France. Or it is, it is a thing. Uh, it's just it's obviously not as uh, popular as it is in North America. So yeah why I decided to leave because for example when I was a kid I would play 14 games per season where my first month in Canada I played 16 games in one month yeah wow a whole different world and I knew that me wanting to play professionally one day and with how much I love playing hockey I needed to make the move and and it's always something I wanted to do anyways so uh, being able to be here in, in the U.S. or in Canada over the years has been has been amazing. Yeah, you've been all over the place. That's cool. Um, so how did you get into hockey? Did your parents just kind of put you in or how did that work? Super random. Uh, one of my friends, when we were really, really young, used to do it. And one day he was like, hey, why don't you why don't you try it out? And he gave me those three little passes to try it out for free and I couldn't stand up on the ice. It kept falling down. My mom was like, this kid is going to hate me for bringing him here and he's never going to want to go back. And then next thing you know, I got off and I looked at her and I was like, when are we going again? <laughs> and I stopped playing. And funny enough, my buddy who introduced me to hockey stopped playing like a month after. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's crazy. That's I, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so then how was it leaving home? That must have been pretty tough if you were... Yeah, the first time I actually left home, I was 11 years old. Um, So I used to live in this little country town uh, in France. And then one day, some hockey team on the the West Coast called me and they're like, hey, we need players for the weekend. And we know you play for this team. If you want to come play with us, you're more than welcome to. So that's what I did. And I discovered that this team had a whole like high school hockey program and all those things. So then after the game, I was talking with the coach and everything. And he was telling me about the program. And I looked at my parents and I'm like, that sounds really cool. I want to do that. And um, they're like, well, we can check it out. You can go try out. And if you make it, then we'll go from there. So I went to the tryouts. I was so nervous. I remember. (laughs) And I, made the team made the got into the hockey program at school and I was 11 years old so I had to live at school and then on the weekends I would take the train like three or four hours on my own and then go home when we didn't have games Uh, so I did that for two and a half years then my parents ended up moving to the city I was in in Nantes where we live now and because my dad randomly found a job there so it just all worked out and next thing you know I'm like well (laughs) I had been in Canada for a bunch of times and for some tournaments with Team France and all that and hockey camps in the summer Mm -hmm. and then every time I'd go somebody would come up to me and be like hey like why don't why don't you come play here like wouldn't you like to do that I'm like yeah that's that's been my dream my whole life that's what (laughs) I want and um, then I told my parents I was like mom dad like I'd really like to do that I mean you guys know and they're like, well, we can we can look into it. So then one summer I did some tryouts there, made the team, played for the school, got into the school. And um, it was obviously it's not easy to leave your house when you're 14 or 11 and then move across the world when you're 14. Like 
it's not something easy to do, especially because I have a great relationship with my family. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm I was so excited and so happy that I'd get to like do that and and really, you know, just live this dream of it always had was just surreal. So I knew that from the first day I left to till now that the opportunity I have is pretty unique and I didn't want to pass up on that. Yeah. So I'm super thankful that my parents were a supportive of that because my mom told me like the biggest proof of love I can give you is to let you do what you want and like support you in, in this. I mean, obviously, because it's something that makes sense, not something that's <laughs> yeah, my health, right. you know, my, my life, but she was like, I can't just sit there and tell you no. And then you're, you're not happy because you're not doing what you really want to do. So yeah, that's so true. They, they supported me, but there's always conditions. Like I always had to do well in school. If I didn't do well in school, I knew that my plane ticket to come to France was right around the corner. (laughs) You know, if I wasn't calling them, if I wasn't being good with my money and all those things. So Mm -hmm. it really kind of, I never really got in trouble (laughs) as a kid or even now, just because hockey and what I do is so important to me that you know, like my parents wouldn't tell me, oh, if you get bad grades or you do stupid stuff at school, like you're not going to be able to watch TV or hang out with your friends. They would just tell me you won't go to practice. And that was enough for me to just <laughs> stay on track. And so, yeah, it, it's, it was challenging because when you move and you're that young, you go home at night and you don't have your mom telling you to do your homework or like your right. mom there to cook dinner or make laundry, do laundry for you. So it's one of those things where, you know, you quickly realize that if you don't do it for yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. So yeah, it's when, when, you know, when things are tough, sometimes it's hard because at the end of the day, like there's time difference. So if you want to talk to your parents before you go to bed, you can't always do that because they're probably asleep or at work. So you just have to manage it, but it's just about finding balance and, and realizing that you're lucky to be able to do what you do. Definitely. Yeah. That's a good outlook on it. You probably had to grow up super fast. <laughs> Very fast. I mean, I've, I, I could write a book about all the crazy things that have happened over the years, honestly, <laughs> between like tough times in host families where I had to one morning before school, pack my bag and just leave the house and not come back because people were insane to like, but at the same time, like the very first, uh, the very first uh, host family I was in, like, <clears throat> I had just gotten to Canada and I knew these people from back then, from when I used to go for camps and tournaments and everything was always fine, but there's a difference between going somewhere for a couple of weeks for a vacation or hockey camp versus actually moving and living there. Right. A lot of people and friends don't realize they tell me, Oh, you're so lucky you live there. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, I am. But like, you don't realize it's not like I'm going on a vacation. Like it's not the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes it was tough. And I've also met amazing people and, you know, families I've lived with. They're just like amazing connections I'll have for the rest of my life and that I hold close to my heart. But it's like sometimes it was tough. It was tough. I bet. Yeah, that's that's a lot, especially when you're young. I couldn't even imagine. Um, Okay, so let's talk about like when you were a kid like all of that stuff that happened yeah um <laughs> well first of all i was born at seven months um my mom in the past had some medical issues and then so i'm a lab baby <laughs> <laughs> and we were supposed to be three kids she could have had three kids but i guess i just fought the other two and just I said that's my mom so get <laughs> um and uh so i was born at seven months and then i was like probably this big um and I was so small I couldn't breathe on my own yeah so right away I was not even supposed to make it because obviously like when you're (laughs) I was born almost two and a half month early uh so I was in the hospital for three and a half month I think um at first they wouldn't let my mom see me so she one day she's she was in the hospital she escaped from her room to just be able to see me <laughs> uh not that i remember any of it she told me but, uh, and then um my so my parents separated when i was two and my mom has always been really supportive my 
biological dad was not so much in the picture as like he was more of a friend than mm. an other figure so it's like I'm very fortunate that my stepdad uh, I met him when I was two and he's been you know amazing uh he raised me and always believed in me but that was that was a challenging thing as a kid because you know before moving to Canada uh when I would go on holiday and during school holidays I would go see my dad and um oh, what happened uh, and um he went before the year before leaving for Canada I was like hey like I want to go to Canada like it's it's really something I want to do it's my dream and he just stared, straight up looked at me and was like yeah well I think it's stupid and like I'm not going to support you in any way with that like you can you can do it if you want but I'm not I don't really believe in it I think it's done wow. so I took that and I was like all right bet so <laughs> like now I'm definitely I, gonna do it <laughs> yeah so I was like okay now I know where you're standing I know that maybe I shouldn't put this much energy in, into this relationship with you uh, and that's what I did when I was 14 I I told him I I called him I sent him a message letters told him how I felt never really got an answer and then I decided to just cut him off my life because you know at the end of the day like I have my my stepdad I hate saying that but my stepdad is has been here and he's mm-hmm. he's always supported me in what I do so I knew that I didn't really need anyone else and, and then he, uh he recently adopted you right so I for his 50th birthday or 60th 60th birthday I um I wrote him a whole letter and then at the end I asked him to adopt me officially as a son um and last year before my first game literally the day of my first hockey game the all the paperwork went through through a couple of years and it was all all done and, and official so it was it was a special moment for sure oh that's um, so cool yeah and then another thing that really gave me this a lot of people like oh you have such a positive outlook on life and this and that. I'm like yeah, but, you know, like when I was six years old and I was diagnosed with this really rare skin disease, um, it just, it like broke me down to build me back up. So it's like at six years old, you don't really know what death is like. I mean, you know, you've seen it in the cartoons and whatever, but you don't, you don't really understand it. So like I got out of school that one day and I was really red, uh, had a fever but like flu-like symptoms you couldn't really think anything of it and then at night I started being super itchy mm-hmm. um my mom was kind of freaking out because she was like well what's happening like yeah I've never seen that before um so went to the ER they couldn't figure it out and then the next day we went back in because I started getting blisters everywhere and that's when it all started I was uh, hospitalized and uh they couldn't really figure out what was happening at first because it's such a rare disease mm-hmm. And the issue is that toxic epidermal necrolysis is such a rare disease that they don't really know how to treat it. So they'll give you more medication or certain treatments, but it's basically like putting gas on a fire. It makes it worse. Huh. And after a couple of weeks, I was, I was dying. And uh, my mom would never uh, leave my hospital bedroom. Like she would always stay with me at night. And one night my dad was like, no, like you need to come home. You need to rest. Like let him, he'll be fine. Just, so my mom goes home, she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like, no, like I gotta go. Something's going on. I have to leave. She ran out of the house, didn't grab her purse, didn't grab her phone, didn't grab her wallet, goes to the hospital. As she gets there, they were loading me into the helicopter to transfer me to Paris to the burnt unit because they knew they couldn't do anything there. And the doctor that was there was basically killing me. Like, yeah, I had no idea what he was doing. It was straight up torture. So transferred me to Paris and my mom goes up to the pilot and she's like, I don't care. Like I'm going with him. <laughs> like, well, like we can't really let you on. Like, like we got to weigh you first and, and stuff. She's like, I could be 50 or 350 pounds. I'm getting on the helicopter and I'm, I'm leaving with my son. Like you guys are crazy. If you think I'm not going and then transferred me there. So she was able to get on and, then got to Paris and you know those movies where like it's a patient on a table and you see all the lights yeah and when they like push you on the little um little yes. bed I remember just like getting there and there's like 50 people with masks and like medical suits and stuff like all around me I'm just freaking out and then and you're six that's crazy 
and I'm six and I'm screaming like, ah, where are you? Like, what's <laughs> happening to me? I just woke up because they induced me in like an artificial coma to transfer mm-hmm. me. So I wake up and I'm like, holy shit, like, where am I? Yeah. And um, then I was there. I was in a sterilized room because basically I had no more skin at all. And I was also burning on the inside. So if it was to get infected in any way, shape or form or whatever, like I was, I was, it was I was done for. So yeah. at first they wouldn't let my family come in the room to see me to make sure that everything was going to be okay. And then one day I was really not doing well. My mom was finally able to be in my room and the doctor comes in and he's like, yeah, ma'am, honestly, um, if he's not doing better by tonight, he'll be dead tomorrow morning. Have a great day. And he leaves. Oh oh my god I thought I was asleep because my eyes were closed but I was just awake yeah and I remember just my mom starts crying and I just looked at her I'm like mom like fuck that guy like I I, I'm 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 gonna be fine I'm gonna be okay and it really helped me to have hockey because it gave me something to look forward to and get my mind off of everything that was happening because I promised myself that I would one day play hockey in North America and I would you know get through this um and it also really helped because when we're in paris my dad my stepdad came and uh bought me my first hockey equipment mm-hmm. and he was, you know what like i don't even care if he's gonna make it or whatever like i'm buying him his equipment and he'll have it and he That's came so cool. in the room he had the gear on that was way too small for him. He's like, oh, <laughs> blah, blah. and then yeah somehow things started getting better we're not sure why to this date uh, we don't really know how, why, um, which was actually pretty crazy because I had a near-death experience. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, but mm-hmm. that that day after the doctor said I was supposed to die, um, I was just, I realized how mental it is when you're in those situations. And I always say this, it sounds so cliche, but like your mind has so much control over your body. I was really tired of like fighting and holding on to my life. And I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to take a second and just relax for a little bit. And that's where, like, my body felt super heavy. Mm-hmm. And I felt like myself getting dragged out of my body, just like I was just just yeah, operating out of my body. And then I had, like, this vision where I was looking up in the sky. It was a pink sky, and I could see my face in the clouds. And then I get up, I get up, I get up until I become my own face in the clouds, and I'm just looking down. And I remember telling myself, why is everybody running around? Why are they so stressed? And why are they sad that I'm up there? And all of a sudden, boom, I was back. I was in my, like, I felt like I, I fell yeah. back in my body and I was like, holy shit, what was that? That's insane. And, and yeah, so after, after being sick, um, so I went home, I had to learn how to walk again. I had to... Um, I, I mean, I was so burnt. I couldn't go in the sun for like three years. I had to be wow. homeschooled. Uh, I had to take so much medication. My mom had to like put lotion all over my skin and on, in my eyes too, because I was supposed to be blind. And I, somehow I have perfect vision now. I don't know how, but. Uh, <laughs> and That's crazy. So I was really mentally like affected by all this when I was younger I had to see a psychologist because like I mean yeah I mean (laughs) you know like uh and I became very very sensitive um like sometimes you could be like I don't know I ask you how you're doing you're like oh I'm okay it made it would make me sad and I'd start crying (laughs) and I didn't know why but like I was just so mentally beat that like I was super sensitive so I had to really build myself back up and up to this, like now it's way different, but I, I saw this sensitive side of me, but I mean, now it's, I understand it. And it's all like, I control it. And it, I'm not going to start bawling my eyes out for that reason. It's <laughs> a mental strength that like, you know, um, but yeah, I, and I took pride in that too, because at first I was, at the very beginning, I was kind of ashamed that I had to go see a psychologist. I was like, oh my God, like, am I okay? People are going to think I'm crazy and this and that. But then I was like, no, you know, it's actually pretty cool. I get to, you know, build myself back up and understand why. And at the age, I'm like six, seven years old. Like, you know, it's not something you should be worried about when you're that young. Um, but yeah, I was just like, you know, it's something I have to do to, to get better. And then 
I'm as much as this experience was traumatic and sucked. I'm glad I went through it and I wouldn't change that for the world because it allowed me to understand that a life can change like this. It doesn't just happen to others. Like, I mean, at the time when I had the disease in France that are 68 million people, only three of them get it every year. That was one of them. <laughs> so it was like, well, <laughs> shit, <laughs> it just happened to others. It could happen to anyone. Um, and when you get this close to losing your life, you realize that when you're in that position in your hospital bed and you're dying, you're, you think of all these things and you're like, well, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I did that. And you realize that when it actually is going to happen one day, because obviously we're all going to get there. Yeah. Um, not to, not to, to bring <laughs> down or anything, but it's yeah, a fact. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's okay. To, it's good to understand it that, you know, my goal and my purpose in life is that when I get to this day, I want to have no regrets, no regrets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I want to be able to, tell myself, you know what, you did everything you wanted to, you've always gave the best of yourself and no, anything that you've done, because yeah, like, sometimes people are like, uh, sometimes people are like, what's your biggest fear? And I'm like, well, my biggest fear is to have regrets in my life and be and wish I would have done things differently. Mm -hmm. So that's why over the years, I stayed committed to my dreams and the things I wanted to do. And I really sat down with myself. And I was like, okay, well, you have all these opportunities now it's great but what are you going to do with it are you just gonna just ride the wave and let things happen on their own or are you actually going to try and push doors open and and i really define who i am as a person and and what i've accomplished and obviously i'm nowhere near where i want to be but it gives me direction and certain discipline to keep because when i go to bed at night i'm like well you know what i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so i might as well live in that moment and give it give it my all because yeah yeah that's it's all part of the process i guess all part of the process for sure. <laughs> um yeah that is crazy that is i mean i bet you probably have people telling you this all the time but that's super inspiring like just oh, I appreciate it and and it's funny because you know doing this whole fundraiser thing i'm currently planning like it's almost like i not that I forget what I went through, but mm -hmm. I get to live a normal life. Yeah. I feel like, okay, but what about others? What, why, why, why are they going through this? Yeah. And I, th I guess I need to be better about giving myself more credit for, for what I went through and how I overcame it. But I don't know. It's, I just have a hard time doing that because at the end of the day, like I'm doing all these things now and I get to live with no, you know, side effects, nothing. Yeah. Whereas so many people, whether it's from that disease or a terrific accident or whatever it may be, might not. And that's why last year I was like, all right, well, you were sick in 2004. It's been like 17 years. You've never spoken to any specialists about it. You've never really gotten involved. So I started to get survivor's guilt kind of like, mm -hmm. I was telling myself, why do I get to do all these things when there's somebody in the hospital bed right now wishing that they could just go outside and breathe, you know, like, um, and I was like, you know what, I can't, I, I got to do something. So then I, for a couple of weeks, I was just like, well, what can I do? Like, and then I was rollerblading with one of my buddies here and I was like, imagine how cool it would be if I like you we rollerbladed across the US he's like oh my god dude you're not it's like that's way too much that'd be cool but like impossible right and I got home and I was like well obviously I can't ice skate across America but I can rollerblade yeah that'd be kind of hard <laughs> yeah, right I wish though that'd be cool uh, but I can rollerblade um and then I was like that's a good idea and I called the, the foundation for the disease I had for like a week. I tried calling him. I would try and call him like four times a day and I wasn't getting an answer. Nobody was picking up the phone. And then the one Friday I was like, okay, I'm going to try one more time this week. And then if they don't answer, maybe it's just not meant to happen. And I called and I was literally about to hang up before I was going to hear the like message system thing. And 
the lady picked up the phone and I was like, holy shit, let's go. <laughs> so, like, so now what do I say? <laughs> I my story with her and I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, hey, like, I want to roll a across America and I want to raise funds and awareness for the disease. That's how I want to get involved. Mm-hmm. So the lady shared the story with me and why she started the foundation because her daughter had it and she survived, but she's blind. Um, oh, wow. And then she was like, well, why don't you reach out to Dr. Phillips at Vanderbilt University? Uh, she is the head of the research department and she she's a great person to talk to. Then I reached out and on the following Monday, I was on the phone with her, shared my whole story with her. And she was like, like yeah, let's let's get these things started. And for a long time, it took forever for me to actually tell people what I was going to do. Because at first I was like, oh, people are not going to take me seriously. People are going to think I'm crazy. And I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear. No, I didn't like. Yeah. I've never taken no for an answer, whether it was a professor telling me I wasn't going to do well in the class or a hockey coach telling me I wasn't going to play on the team or a doctor telling me I wasn't going to live. So I didn't want to hear people telling me, oh, my God, you're never going to make it like you're crazy blah blah but then as I was trying to move forward with this whole fundraiser thing I was like well I for myself I need to tell people I'm going to do it because the way I work is that when I say I'm going to do something and I tell people and they expect me to do it then I know I have to like I have to do it I'm the same way (laughs) right like I don't know I just for myself I needed to say I was going to do it put it out there because now there's no turning back now I right. knew that I was going to have to bust my ass and find ways to put this whole thing together and actually accomplish it. Uh, and then my friend Dan had me on his podcast, uh, French Press podcast, and we did the whole thing with my story. And then right as we were about to finish, he's like, wait, don't, don't you have something to share with everyone? <laughs> and I looked at him, remember, I looked at him, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're fundraiser, you're planning right now. And I was like, uh, well, I guess I have to say it now. Uh, and I, I'm glad he did it. And I thank him for that. But uh, he, um, ba- I basically said what I was going to do. And then some people listened to it. They reached out to me and I got some great feedback. You know, people didn't really know what I had been through and what I was going to do. Mm. So it was a really positive response. And um following that my friend Mel she uh she was like well I listen to your story and and I want to help out so I'll, I'll get back to you in a couple of days and I was like oh okay and then she reaches back to me and she's like well one of my best friends or brother is a uh, movie producer out of LA and I s- sent him the podcast and I told him to listen to it because I think your story is great and maybe he can do something to help you and uh, at first Ryan uh, the movie producer was like well you know it's just a college kid like he doesn't you know the guy works in LA with like big dogs all the time you yeah know? like who, who am I I'm just a little college kid with an idea <laughs> but then Mel like kept texting him like no like please at least talk to him just hear him out yeah and then eventually uh, I reached out to Ryan I texted him and then a couple of days later still didn't get an answer and I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to call him. I was on my way back from class. And I was like, I'm just going to call him. Um, and he answered the phone. I was like, oh, my God, he's here. <laughs> <laughs> so I shared my story with him and I told him what I was wanting to do. And he's like, all right, well, that sounds great. Um, how about you put together a video to explain what you're doing? He's like, if you record it on your phone, uh, keep it one to two minutes but if you get a video done professionally you can make it five to ten minutes mm-hmm. so he's like why don't you look for a student at msu that can help you uh, with all that and then uh, we can go from there and i was like okay so then i saw that the lacrosse team here had a great video made by a student at msu and i reached out to mike i was like mike like this is my story this is what i'm planning to do uh, I would love to meet up with you and talk about it more. So Mike was like, oh, okay, sure. Like, let, let's get a coffee in tomorrow. So when I got a coffee with him, I sat down and the first thing I told him was like, listen, I'm an international student. I can't work in the US. Uh, I don't have any money to pay you. I, I can't pay you. If you want to be on the journey, I'm more than happy to have you on. Yeah. I can't financially like pay you and all that. 
but here are the opportunities you're, you may get, you know, like starting your career with such a crazy adventure is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm in touch with a movie producer and all those things. So if you believe in this project and you think there's something for you there, then let's do this. And Mike didn't, didn't take him two seconds and he right away jumped in. That's so cool. Like, yeah. And we became best friends through it all. Uh, we've, we've put countless and countless and countless hours of work in this. And, uh, and now here we are. So it's, it's pretty special that, you know, I was really want, cause it's easier to just pay someone and then they do the work and they don't really care about it. They just do it. Right. But the thing with Mike is that he truly believes in this story and he, on his own way, attached himself to it. Yeah. And, and that's what we're trying to do with this whole 10 for 10 journey is that we want to create a community where, you know, not everybody's going to care about the disease I'm raising funds for, because there's so many of them. Uh, not everyone's going to care about the rollerblading, but maybe we can inspire someone that, you know, is wanting to start something for themselves and they're terrified to because they don't have any resources or they don't have any idea on how to do it. And what we're really trying to show everyone is that none of that matters, really. You just need to take action and just get started somewhere. Yeah. That's what we did. And I mean, we're, we're nowhere near <laughs> where, where we're trying to be, but we've come such a long way in a year. And it's, it's just crazy that it just showed me if you really want to do something, you'll, you'll do it. If it's important to you, you'll find a way. Absolutely. And those videos are awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's really talented. I'm super thankful. He's really talented. And I'm, I'm glad he gets to showcase his work mm-hmm. and his talent through my story. Uh, and I hope that, you know, I'll great, he'll, I mean, I know he'll get great opportunities afterwards. Uh, that's Absolutely. the whole plan. Yeah. So, so is he going to go with you on your whole adventure? Yeah, so that's the plan. The plan is to start in uh, Venice Beach Skate Park in LA. Uh, we're hoping to start May 29th. Obviously, we're, we're using this date as a guideline right now, but I'm pretty superstitious. So whatever date I'm going to start, it either has to be 9, 19th, or 29th. <laughs> Any of those. Um, Why the nine? Number nine is a really weird number in my family. Uh my nephew, my big brother were born on the 9th. Um, my parents were married on the 19th. My little brother was born on the 19th. My sister and my dad were born on the 29th. <laughs> Number nine just comes in my family all the time. And okay, so yeah, you have to. <laughs> Craziest one is uh, as kids, my sister and I, when we would set up the table for dinner at home, uh, we would always there's like this little silver spoon that we would have dessert with desert, desert <laughs> dessert with English <laughs> uh, that we would use. And so whenever I'd set up the table, I'd make sure that she get it because it sucks eating out of this thing. Like it's old, it's just metal. It's just, yeah. It just sucks. So we would always give it to each other. And then when I left for Canada, she didn't she was sneaky about it and she put it in my hockey bag so i get there and play my first game and i'm looking for my skate and i see that the spoon is in my hockey bag and i'm like so then <laughs> the friends gave it to her and so one day we're in france in the summer and we were like oh why don't we like try to clean it make it shine because you know we've never done that so we put some product on it scrape it a little bit clean it up and we look in the back of the spoon and there's literally a number nine what you were like for all these years and you're telling me there's a number nine in the back now so yeah number nine is a pretty special special number so i'm just uh i'm super i'm really really superstitious like sometimes it's bad with hockey oh my god my teammates get to you all about it it's just they think I have mental health issues almost i'm the exact (laughs) same way yeah mine's more like ocd actually but you know, it's cool. Superstition. I I get some of those. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, So yeah, uh, hopefully we'll start on 29th and then get started. And the plan is to have a, we're trying to find sponsors for either tour bus, an RV, a minivan, where they'll just follow me because obviously it's a little dangerous with cars. So we want to make sure they're behind me. Right. Wherever I stop, we'll spray paint where I stopped. And then we'll go park somewhere, sleep, and then the next day get 
start from wherever I stopped and keep going. So the whole plan is to have Mike there, uh, the movie producer, a couple media people to do the documentary. And then my parents are going to hopefully be able to come for half the trip for the second half because um, I want awesome. to, be, to be a part of it. They were here yeah. when I was six, so I really want them to be able to to be there on the trip and, and support me. Absolutely. That's so cool. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, whenever you stop, are you literally going to start from the exact same spot? I was going to ask you about, like, hotels and stuff, but obviously if you have a bus, then that'd be ideal. So, yeah, so we – my plan is to – because some, some guys have done it. I've seen a guy that recently did it who rollerbladed uh across america but he would stop rollerblade a bit in each state and then drive over to the next one i'm actually trying to rollerblade every single mile uh that's cool wherever i stop is where i'm going to pick up the next day and and keep going from there and then for hotels i realized that you know planning wise it wouldn't be the best idea it would just be a mess uh yeah every night have to stop in a hotel come in the hotel and pack everything pack again leave check in check out it would have been a mess so what we're thinking right now is let's say every 500 miles we stop in a hotel so the whole team can rest i can rest and then we can keep going but again we don't have many resources so we're trying to keep the cost as low as possible and so if we already have minivans and stuff then we want to utilize that as much as we can in the most efficient way possible so how far do you think you can, are you going to go every single day or are you going to give yourself? Uh, I'm going to try. I mean, obviously I think that I'll need some off days. Yeah. I don't, probably. Really, I don't really believe in off days, but yeah. Again, it's such a different type of effort, you know, for hockey, it's very fast paced, short mm-hmm. efforts, like starts and stops here. It's just going to be endurance and hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah. So my whole training is going to have to shift when my hockey season ends towards that. Um, but I'm hoping anywhere, depending on like the elevation, you know, cause if it's only yeah. hill, I'm not going to be able to go as far as if it's downhill or flat, but I'm hoping to do around either between 40 or 70 miles a day. Holy. So, <laughs> yeah, come with like a number that works that I can do every day or like a minimum number to reach because yeah. I don't want this journey to take three and a half months. Yeah. You know, I want to play pro after, so I want to be able to recover from the journey and train for my, my, my pro season. So we'll, we'll figure it out. We're just going to, you know, slow and steady wins the race. It's going to be yeah. hard not to be super excited at first and want to yeah. do the day. But yeah, don't wear yourself to, out. <laughs> to, to, to be patient and you know, just realize that it's it's not a race. It's mm-hmm. more just getting at the end of it. Well, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm yeah, excited to follow along. So we plan on stopping. We I know for a fact I want to go through Springfield and St. Louis. So yeah, I, I keep telling everyone like because it's not this whole journey is not about me rollerblading. It's Mm -hmm. it's so much greater than that. Like I'm just using one of the things I do best for a greater purpose. So I, along the way, want to be able to connect with so many people that, you know, some people have told me, how can I hop on when you come by my state? Well, if you can, then do it, you know, whether you want to run or you want to rollerblade or you want to be in a car or you want to be on a bike next to me, it doesn't matter. If you want to be on with me and ride next to me, then, do it and that's that's the whole purpose of this journey you know like i've had guys tell me oh well we'll do the whole state of missouri with you or when you come to st louis well we'll do this oh you come to new york we'll do some mouse with you so yeah that's that's really what i'm i'm hoping for and i want people to know that this isn't just for me this is me this is us so i like that well, yeah, if you, whenever you're in St. Louis, let me know. I'll definitely try to roll it, but I don't know. <laughs> I, will, I will for sure. Um, so you said you were thinking about going pro. Do you want to play in the NHL or would you want to play like overseas? What's your goal? So obviously, you know, if, if 
as a hockey player, I can I think I can speak for all of us. We've all dreamed of playing in the NHL. We all dream of playing in the NHL one day. It's absolutely it's just something like you know, a lot of people don't and I'm I've been better over the years of like accepting that this is my dream and this is what I want to do. And a lot of people will make fun of it, won't understand it. They're like, oh well, your window to make it is way gone, or you're not good enough for this or that, it's never gonna happen. But then again, I'm like, all right, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you're right. But you know what? Like at the end of the day, if I'm aiming for that and I train and I put every single ounce of energy I have towards this and I fail, I'm always going to end up higher than if I was just content of where I'm at right now or like a lower league I could play in. So is my dream to play in the NHL? Yes, of course. Uh, like, I would do some crazy things to be able to step on an NHL ring. <laughs> I 100% would. Um, but that's my thing. It's like if you if you aim for the moon, well, then you're always going to end up further than if you're just like, oh, I'm good with the clouds, you know? So yeah. um, it's just kind of my mentality with it all. It, you know, it, all, it keeps a certain accountability on my end where I'm like, well, you say you want to do all these things, but are you are you you know doing the things accordingly around it so yeah absolutely just drives me and and holds me accountable for my actions and and keeps me disciplined through it all I like that I'm in the same exact spot right now so (laughs) what what's going on uh just playing soccer I mean just trying to play as long as I can trying to play professionally and people saying that you know, oh, well, you already would have by now, or, you know, you would already have something, you know, just all the, yeah, all the negativity and all the, you know, whatever, but I know I'll get there. So exactly. You know, it's, and people who think like that already lost the race. It's like, all right, well, yeah. you're for sure not going to make it if you think that way. Or if you, <laughs> exactly. fine, you're to, you know, not, not everybody has to understand it. Not everybody has to agree with it. Not everybody has to believe in it either. Absolutely. What's what matters is that at the end of the day, when you go to bed, you know that it's what you want to do. And if you're honest with yourself and you're like, well, I'm doing everything I can to do it. The day works or the day doesn't work out, then you'll be like, you'll have no regret. You'll be like, well, I did it. Those people might be like, oh, you know, I could have made it, but uh, you won't have any of those second guesses. And, And I think that's what's important it's greater and even more important than making it or not. It's just knowing that everything that you could control, you controlled it and you aimed it towards what you wanted to accomplish. Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> so glad that we had this talk. This is awesome. I know. I know. It took a <laughs> while, but it was worth it. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. All right. Well, do you have anything else? Uh, not at the top of my head. I don't think what would be your, uh, I don't know, like if there's some one thing you live by, one thing that you helps, like you get up in the morning and, you know, work towards what you're trying to accomplish. Or if somebody was in the need of hearing that, what would you tell them? Man, that's a tough one because I'm a really big like quote person. I like I live by quotes. I have like little post-it notes all over the place with little things. Um, That's a good question. What's your favorite quote then? The one that like, you know, that when you look at it, you're, you're like, I can run through a brick wall. That's so hard. Cause I feel like they change a little bit. So, okay. So right now um, I was playing semi-pro in Peoria, Illinois over the summer. And there, I found this really, really cool gym uh, to work out at. It's called the barbell or wait, the house barbell club um and they had like like the flags that you have behind you it was like those and one of them said like nobody cares work harder yeah and I really like that and it's kind of like harsh and like the first time I saw that was like a couple years ago and I was like wow that's kind of brutal but then I thought about it and I was like man I actually really like that like nobody I mean obviously people care but (laughs) just about like circumstances and like what you're dealing with and like for me like training like nobody cares 
what you're thinking, like what you're feeling, like soccer doesn't care. Like these professional teams, I mean, like they, hopefully they care about you, but you know what I mean? Like the concept behind it of like, nobody cares what you're going through. You still have to work hard. You have to show up. And that's the thing is like, I, so I've been doing this 75 hard program and yeah, it's been eye-opening. Like, yeah, I bet. I, I wish everyone in their life could do it at least once. Yeah. Because it's shown me how many excuses we make for ourselves every day. Absolutely. It's actually like, oh, my God. Sometimes I sit there and I'm like, dude, what were you doing all this time? <laughs> and, you know, like, I, I saw like I've always lived a certain disciplined lifestyle. But at the same time, it's like all these little excuses I make for myself and all these I'm the one holding myself back. Nobody else is holding you back, but you yeah, really. Exactly. It's like, I'm taking this class right now. It's personal health. And um, the professor was like, you know what? Like, what do you need to implement a routine? And why is it that we don't really do it? And then she's like, well, maybe because it requires a skill. She's like, let's say you want to do yoga every day, but then you show up in the morning and you don't really know how to do it. You don't have the skill to do it. So maybe that's what's holding you back. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there in my chair and I'm like, but at the end of the day, if you really wanted to do yoga that bad and implement in your routine, you would, even if you had no skill or no knowledge, you would yeah. find a way to learn about it. Even if you're wrong at first. For sure. And that's the yeah. one thing. Like, so it ties back to what you said. Nobody cares work harder, you know, like you're tired today. You're sore. It rains outside. Doesn't matter. Like, why does this yeah. matter? It has nothing to do with you showing up and giving your best effort. And I think that we all get caught up with this little voice in the morning. Like when your alarm rings, the first thing you think about is turning it off. But then are you going to get up or like? <laughs> yeah. I literally did that today. I was like, I, my alarm went off and I was like, man, I could probably sleep a little bit longer. Or like, when am I going to have time to nap today? You know, it's like yeah. those little thoughts that you're like man <laughs> it was me yesterday my alarm rings and i'm like oh my god like on thursday has out this semester I have four classes and i was like you need to go walk you need to work out yeah. hockey game tonight like you're gonna be so tired and i was like dude <laughs> shut up like yeah. what are you doing <laughs> well i'm reading um have you ever read the untethered soul no it's a really interesting book and it's like pretty much your subconscious brain ultimately like you have a roommate in your head um Mm -hmm. and the voice isn't really you and it's just kind of you could have positive thoughts that are in your subconscious brain but most of them are negative um and that's like the like the things that tell you you can't or the things that'll tell you like oh I'm gonna be so tired today like all the things you know Mm -hmm. and pretty much what the book was saying is like put that voice into like a person and like give it a name like give it like a like a figure or whatever and you listen to it and you're like would I ever let anyone else talk to me like that or like would I ever let a friend say all of this shit to me no so then why do I let my subconscious brain say all of this stuff to me yeah that's awesome that's a yeah. good idea. I never thought of looking at it like that it's super interesting um and like once you start thinking that way and you have those thoughts you're like oh well, like, that's not me. Like, that's not me thinking it. So you can just be like, okay, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like I see you, but like, go away. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's, cool. yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, half of the battle is really to just be able to understand these moments. You know, um, when I think about my favorite quote, um, I was just going to ask you yours. <laughs> I, I have it right here. Uh, so it's Invictus. It's the poem Invictus. I and- love that the last two the last two three sentences go um it matters not how straight the gate how charged with punishments to scroll i am the master of my fate i'm the captain of my soul and that like is everything to me like at the end of the day you're the only one that has power over yourself and your actions and what you decide to invest your time and energy with or in so yeah, I think we just got to being able to understand these moments where you're letting that little inner voice, that little bitch voice Literally. <laughs> uh, take over. You just got to be like, well, is this 
is this true or is this something that's just trying to hold me back from from the places I'm trying to get and then once you figure that out then you know you get the answers for yourself but it's something that has to come from within you know people can tell you oh yeah like just ignore it like whatever mm -hmm. up until the day where you can realize for yourself that it's something that's affecting you and that you have control over you know nobody else is going to be able to do it for you so absolutely yeah <laughs> absolutely i love that quote i've actually thought about like getting some sort of tattoo to do with that but all of these quotes that i like like i would have words or something all over my body at this point if i did that <laughs> um yeah i like that well perfect i'm glad i'm glad we were able to do this it was great I'm excited to listen to it and share it everywhere. Uh, yeah. So can learn more about your podcast and, and what you're doing. And, and I think it's great that you take some time to, to connect with people around you and, and uh, use that to, to serve a greater purpose for, for everyone else to kind of hold on to and, and learn about themselves and, and others in general. And it's cool. Like I, I liked how you brought the quotes and how it changes for you because it allows you to, it allows me, for example, right now to, to see things from a different angle. And I think that especially in today's world, it's important to not get caught up with one way of seeing things, you know, everything's so negative now, whether it's on the news or the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's, it's always good to get some, some perspective on, on how to, to see things and, and understand others around us. Cause we're, we're way more similar than we may think we are, you know? Absolutely. Well, well thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I'm super excited. And uh, thank you so much for having me again. Of course. We'll have to do it again, like, either right before or after your whole... Perfect. We'll do it. The... We'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say well, across the world, but it's... <laughs> not yet. That's, that's <laughs> of the next one. That's later. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get across america first yeah That's okay awesome warm up <laughs> yeah right well yeah thank you so much i know you're busy um okay. good luck with your hockey season thank you good luck with soccer thank you okay well i guess i'll just stop the recording now but hang on one second okay i obviously need to learn how to end these but it's fine. This is the ending now. Thanks for listening.